Welcome to a quick bevy with Swans fans, where each week Swans fans have 45 seconds to answer some burning bloods and footy-related questions over a quick bevy or two. Uh, today we have a very special guest. Chris, can you please make the introduction? Sure, Will, Noddy, thank you very much. We'd be we're very happy to introduce a fantastic guest uh, for us. We've got a ex-Swan 2012 Premiership winner, leader of the club, 2014 All-Australian, former assistant coach, the best small defender the Swans have and may ever see, number 40, Nick Smith himself. Nick, thank you for showing up to the podcast. Jeez, what a wrap. I'm happy to come every week with that kind of introduction. <laughs> Good to be with well, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, mate. Thank you. Right. So um, on behalf of all Swans fans, um, let us ask just a few Nick Smith-specific questions before we get into today's regular format, if that's all right. Not a problem. Awesome. So, uh, Nick, what have you been up to since retiring from AFL? Well, I initially got into the coaching side of things, but only wanted to do it part-time. I, uh, I actually don't like like the coaching industry. It's, it's pretty fickle. Um, you know, with the family, you have to move. There's always new players coming out of the game. And I just wanted to do something else. So did a bit of part-time coaching and did some work with the Swans Academy as well. Um, and then I've sort of found my way into finance um, Andrew Pridham, president of the footy club. He um, has a business and um, I've fortunately been able to start working there along with um, Mike Pike, who was already there as well. Awesome. Thank you. That's, that's, that's great. So um, just a quick follow-up question there. Um, in the academy, which you weren't, did you oversee any of Campbell and Goulden or were they a bit different timing? No, no, definitely. I like to think I um, taught them everything they know. And they've, <laughs> yeah, they've been pretty handy this year. Um, no, I did a lot of work with both Braden and Campbell, uh, um, both Braden and Errol last year. Um, and we can talk about it in a bit, but they've been exceptional this year. And I think it's just a testament to how, how good the academy is for the, for the footy club. Definitely, definitely. And um, I'd say a big thanks owing to you there because um, those boys are ripping it up, aren't they, really? All right, um, over to you, Chris. Yeah, Nick, I would like to ask you, what is your greatest memory as a Swan? Uh, it's probably a, a bit of an obvious one, but 2012, um, winning that grand final, an absolute highlight. Um, I still remember going into that game, so going against the forward line of um, Rioli, Franklin, uh, Roughhead, Bruce, Gunston, and Brock Lowe. Like, wow. Probably yeah. one of the best forward lines going around ever, maybe. Um, so, yeah, to, to go into that game and win it. Um, and then the, the following week was quite a bit of fun. But having said that, I think I was lucky enough to play a really good time at the Swans, played in over 20 finals and had some good success, a few disappointments as well, but um, played in a really good era. Oh, we thank you for your time, mate. It was it was a high point, a high point in my life. I don't know about you, Chris. So yeah, surely. it was pretty massive. It was pretty <laughs> massive. Do you have a favourite, 2005 or 2012? I think oh, 12 for me. Yeah. Um, and we're not just saying that because you're on the podcast, mate, but um, like five was obviously massive because of the, the drought breaker. But um, something about 12, just the game, it was epic. And um, the end, and I don't know. How about you, Chris? I'm, I'm 12, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think 12 was just... Oh, it was really, 
I mean, they both they both ended so brilliantly. I think they're both amazing. Like, how do you, how do you separate? Which is your favorite kid? I mean, you can't say it, can you? Like, <laughs> I think that's really comes down to. I, I think they both just sit in your memory forever. Like, you know exactly where you were. You know how you're feeling at the time. Like, yeah, can't say enough you'll, about them. You'll know when we get Leo Barry on. We'll be like, oh, how good was 05? <laughs> oh, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Sneaky buggers. <laughs> All right, next question, Nick, if it's cool. Uh, who is the best Swans player you've ever played with and who's the best non-Swans player you've ever played with? Um, it, it'd definitely be Goodsy or Buddy as the best yeah. player. Um, both very different players. Um, I think if you're one-on-one in the goal square, I think I think Buddy would be a better player. Yeah. Maybe up the ground, in the ruck and that kind of thing, Goodsy. So, um impossible to split but i think those two are a fair bit ahead of the rest yeah yeah Yeah. and so would that does that include buddy as the non the best non-swan for his time at the hawks or yeah oh by technicality you'd have to be yeah he'd have to be the best player i played against as well i think yeah Um, yeah i remember him doing stuff and i'd actually be playing on guys and they were like how did he just do that like (laughs) oh like on, on the field like between the players yeah, yeah, like my opponent would be like, how did he just do that? <laughs> we thought it was just us from the grandstand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he's blowing his own players away, that's when you know we're doing pretty something good. So yeah. That's yeah. unreal. That's so good. Uh, you, uh, yeah, Nick, question. Uh, how did you get the nickname Smooch? And oh. what's the best nickname you've heard around? This is, well, Smooch, first of all, is a really boring story. It's a hand-me-down. I used to play cricket with Amon Buchanan's brother. All right. Um, and I got the name there because I had the last name Smith and a, a bloke left who was called Smith before me. So it was a hand-me-down. So I feel like <laughs> right. bad wasting wasting the time on the podcast discussing that. Oh, not at all. <laughs> Next one I've heard, well, f- from the Swans, um, Alir Alir, his nickname was Shandy. I love that one, yeah. Yeah, for, Great for one. Chandelier. Chandelier, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the good ones at the Swans. But, so yeah. was his um, theme song that uh, that that song yeah. chandelier like swinging from the chandelier? Yeah, that, that would have been <laughs> See, uh, every time he comes into the change room, there's that that song blaring and just like, yeah. oh baller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little while ago, he wasn't happy with his nickname Fozzy, and he started just getting everyone to call him Moose because he liked. <laughs> um, Did that work? Did yeah. that work for him? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's persuasive. You don't yeah. often get your mates to uh, go along with what you want them to call you. So, yeah. well played, Fozzie. I mean, sorry, uh, Moose. Moose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's unreal. Oh, well, thanks, mate. That's that's some real fantastic insight there for uh, for us as Swans fans and also the Swans fans watching on. Um, we're going to get started on the regular format now. So I'll just remind everyone how, how it works. So you'll both have 45 seconds to answer the questions that we have after this. And with five seconds to go, I'll give you a warning bell. And it sounds like this. Sound of a can opening. So um, with that in mind, we'll jump straight into question one. Uh, so JT from Kuji asks, do you think that coach succession works and how would players react to it? Um, go for it. Please, Nick, kick us off. I think it's, it's very um, specific to the, the circumstance. Um, you know, if we look at Collingwood, um, Malthouse coaches them to a, to a premiership and then get stood down and Buckley takes over, there's a little bit of sort of, I guess, friction between Buckley and Malthouse, Malthouse leaves. 
But then you look at, at the Swans and so John Longmire does say, I think it was nearly 10 years of friendship as an assistant coach, works out his philosophies as a coach, what he stands for. He's in a system, and when I say it, like the, the blood's culture, he understands the culture of the place. And it actually, it's a pretty easy transition as well. Um, probably has a bit more of a say in the earlier years um, about drafting and that kind of thing as well. So I've been wrapped up. I'll let you <laughs> I, I, might, I might just let you keep going for the next one because that was, I was like, just, oh, wow, that's awesome. All right. Well, uh, for the sake of the podcast, Chris, we'll go over to you, but we'll definitely give Nick, <laughs> Nick some uh, more time next time. Yeah. Go okay. Look, I feel like a bit of a jerk answering this question, considering we have some insight with us, uh, Ruse Longmire. Uh, but um, I guess I can only answer from a fan's perspective. You want to see it, it's concerning, right? You have two coaches and you're hoping they're getting along and, and you're looking over what's happening with Alistair and Sam Mitchell. Um, and it doesn't look like it's going along well, uh, or at least that's the reporting and is the reporting correct or not. So, but I guess you look at the best case scenario and it would probably be the Ruse Longmire transition, right? That'd be the one that everyone looks to to say that one worked really well. And then Ruzi went off and did one with Goodwin and then, you know, and you've got a couple others like Buckley and Mouldhouse that seem to have half a decent go at it. So um, from a fan's perspective, is it too bothersome having two coaches on, on the ground? Does it, does it give the wrong impression? I think, alongside the coaching comes really good communication from the board level and marketing to tell us what's happening and what the plan is and to make sure the plan sticks. If there is any wavering of what's happening or the communication is not very clear, it makes fans seem really concerned of what's going on. And I think that's a big part of it for sure for us. Hey, that's three. You owe us oh, both a beer. Yeah. Could you uh, hear that? I was going nuts no. there. There was three of those. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> Couldn't you? All right. Well, no. I'm going to have to get it closer to the mic. That's your fault. No you owe me a beer. No. Oh, okay. That's how it works. All right. No <laughs> worries. Question two. And we'll go with Chris first and then Nick second. Um, okay. Question two. Drawn games. What should be done with drawn games? Uh, go for it, mate. Uh, yeah. Steve-O on your podcast, Noddy, uh, a quick uh, a bevy of bloods did a really good job with the numbers. So there's been 162 draws in 125 seasons. So that's about 1.3 draws per season. Yeah. So in the last 10 years, there's been 13 draws, which is bang on average, 1.3 per season. I don't care. I think it's a really interesting part of the game. Um, I know that if a grand final falls on, as a draw, um, they go to extra time now and, and they will do that to find a, a winner. I'm more than happy for it to just fall as a draw. I think it's a fantastic part of sport. Having two grand finals and the build-up to the both of them is incredible. So I, I reckon just leave it. Leave it with, with no with, leave it as draws. I'm happy for draws to exist in the game. Yeah, nice one. Okay, uh, over to you, Nick. Yeah, I'll probably sit on the other side of the fence. I think as a player, um, when you draw a game, it, it feels just as a loss almost. Mm, mm. Um, I think we saw who we see a draw a week or two ago. Yeah, the D's and the Hawks. Yeah, and you know, you see that hear the interviews after the game and everyone is flat. Yeah. I think the fans at the ground also well, it seems like they're a bit flat as well. So I, I think a good way would do it is you know, five minutes each way. Imagine how intense that final five minutes each way would be like for both fans and players as well. The only thing is, you know, it's a, it's a long game as it is, 120 minutes or more. It's pretty taxing. And then to play an extra five each way. Um, 
yeah, it's, it adds a bit, but I, I think it would add to the spectacle for, for fans and good for the players to have a result. And if you think we follow those numbers that we've just heard, um, it's only probably going to be one, max two games a year. So it ends up being like the, the bang for your buck game, if you want. I mean, it's tough on the players, as you mentioned, but it would certainly be a spectacle on the night, especially if it's five minutes each way. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Okay, all right, let's go on to question three. And we'll start with Nick again first and then go over to Chris for his. Uh, so question three, Tyler from Florida, USA, uh, asks, do you see us losing a game for the rest of this regular season? Go for it, Nick. Well, if, if we play our best, no. But the, the thing I learned in footy and the boys got a bit of a taste of it on the weekend like, you can be the best side in the competition if you rock up and think things are going to happen and aren't as intense, anyone can can roll you on the day. So, um, yes, we should win the next four games, five games, sorry. It doesn't mean we will. I think Essendon at Etihad will be a fair challenge. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just, just hoping we can keep playing some good footy and have very few injuries going to finals and good form and who knows what can happen yeah perfect on time you uh you nailed that that was like you'd had media training or something mate that was <laughs> no we're all hopeful over to you chris uh yeah so the next games are uh, dockers bombers saints north and suns mm. dockers we just lost to uh the bombers we just won to uh the saints was a decent win but tight uh north you never know with north they beat some of the good teams and then they lose the rest of the season and the Suns did a number on us uh, when we met up with them so I think the fact that we're fighting for top four now is a big difference I think I wouldn't have put so much um, pressure and emphasis on those next five games just to be in the finals is a fantastic but the fact that we have an opening for top four tells me that the, the, the boys are going to be going hard um, so we can beat all of those teams we have the ability to um, so he's hoping we do. Uh, whether we do or not, uh, look, I'm happy to be in the finals. Uh, you know, I'm happy to be competing. Uh, let's just get us there and get on from, from, from that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, it's, it's injury. Um, and then obviously the hub, um, depending on how far we go um, living like this or playing like this as we are, it's, it's whether or not a horse can keep them all together as he, as he has done or, or the whole club has done so well up until now. All right, question four, uh, and we're going to go with Chris first, then Nick second. Uh, so more and more players are likely to miss games through exposure site enforced quarantine. So should all players be wrapped up in cotton wool to avoid the general public until the end of the season? Go for it, Chris. Uh, as fans, we want to see games, right? We're in isolation. We're bored as fuck. We <laughs> need something. And all we do is talk footy. All I do is watch replays. Uh, I'm watching every bit of football that comes my way. Uh, Damo and Matt doing their podcasts and stuff. Or anything that comes my way, I'm listening to it and I'm watching. So I really want to watch football. Having said that, the players are still human, right? They still have lives. They can't be cooped up, um, you know, just only playing football they've got to live their own lives as well um it's a long season and it just makes it longer if we don't let them do anything so i would love for us to throw good money at them for that they want for nothing and have a good time wherever they are um so that when they do have to play and get out there and play 
and be away from their families, it's not as hard. So I would like to see that. So yeah, yes, but throw cash at it. Just get on with it. <laughs> Over to you, Nick. Uh, I'm thinking along the same lines, Chris. It's a really sort of delicate balance between what happens here. I think as with anyone in society, you know, you know, you've got a job to do to support your family. If that requires you going away for a bit, well, you know, you, you have to do what you have to do sometimes. Having said that, I think any personal circumstances like the birth of a child and that kind of thing and, and coming home to, to see that, I, I completely side with the player if that's what they want to do. Um, yeah, it's just a really difficult situation. Um, respect the player's wishes, but also think that, you know, as, as someone with a job, you know, sometimes you're required to do things that you necessarily don't want to do. Oh, perfect on time again. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. It's, it is a delicate uh, matter and obviously this is unprecedented and it was something as simple as going to cheer on the Wallabies um, and then we had the uh, those four key players out for us. Um, so Yeah, and I think just to jump in there quickly, I think we're all kind of saying that at the end of the day, if one of the players wants to go home, I don't think any fans should question it. Should be they, they go home, they want to go home. Let them go. Well, not at all. Yeah, no, me too. Like, and is. in normal circumstances, it happened with the Saints the other day with uh, mm. Seb Ross and Membry, I think. Um, yeah. They both elected to go home for the birth of their kids. And I mean, I, I 100% support that. So yeah. uh, it sort of falls into a similar sort of theme as that, obviously different because it's the, the pandemic. But yeah, um, yeah, awesome. Okay, well, that's it for today. A massive thanks to our special guest, uh, 2012 Premiership defender, Nick Smith. AKA Smooch. <laughs> and a big shout out to JT and Tyler for the questions. Keep those questions coming. Uh, wherever you are, wherever you see or watch this podcast or listen to it, make sure you reach out to us on the social media pages and send over those questions. You don't know who's going to answer them. And remember, if you enjoyed this, but find yourself craving even more Swanee's content, make sure to check out a bevy of bloods in which another mate, Steve-O and I have a long form discussion where we review the Swans last game, preview the Swans next game and have a bit of a chat about footy too. You can find us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, as well as on our socials at A Bevy of Bloods. And lastly, Nick, thank you so much for joining up. You're a legend. Always one of our favourites and uh, countless other swans will be no doubt so happy to see you back on, the, on some form of medium uh, saying hello to the other swans fans. So cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks Brilliant. so much, mate. Until next time. Up, up the, the bloods. bloods. And can you, <laughs> Thank you.